Hi, welcome to Bullet Points Extra. I'm Ed Smith. I'm joined by Reed McCarter. Hi. Hi there. Hi there. And today we're talking about Observer um, by the slightly <laughs> disappointingly named Bloober team. Is it Bloober or Bloobers? It's singular. It's, it's Bloober singular, not Bloober pure. I wonder what the name is for a, a collective of Bloobie. <laughs> I you think know, you just got Murder it. of Crows, Herd of Sheep. Um... um. Anyway, that's maybe one of the many questions that we'll attempt to answer throughout this episode. I thought I was going to have something off the top of my head, but it didn't didn't quite come through. No, I didn't get it either. I was going to say like a, a a clown car of blue by. I for some reason I had a smattering. A smattering kind of, of blue by, yeah. Uh, an, an embarrassment of blue by. <laughs> <laughs> makes makes a uh, blue by sound like some sort of like I don't know uh, spineless sea creature. Sort of like, uh, I thought blue by sounded like a kind of skin, uh, contagious skin disease that people contracted in the 17th century. You know, half of Europe was infected with blue by <laughs> the blue the blue bionic plague. Yeah, the blue bionic plague. Exactly. Um, well, this game has spread to me like a disease because <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so so thoroughly, and um, it did it did a hell of a lot for me. Uh, I, I sense that you are enthusiastic, but less so than me about. I have a hard. T- yeah, I have a hard time getting. I don't know. I like this game a lot, but I have a hard time getting too, too worked up about it. Um, yeah. Which I think is. Mm, I guess we should just say right up front. Cause if I don't acknowledge it, it's going to feel weird that we <laughs> recorded an episode on Observer that uh, the. Appropriately for Observer, Technology Gods 8 corrupted. Um, so I feel like I have to repeat some of the same things, and it seems strange, though. It feels artificial to do it. Um, but I guess the long story short was that I think that there's so much of this game that is incredibly creative and interesting and, and novel. And then there's not an equal amount, but a good amount that is just incredibly derivative of uh it's it wears its influences right on the sleeve and you see you know there's a ton of blade runner in it there's a ton of ghost in the shell in it and that stuff kind of um i don't know it, it takes away from from what i do like about this game and i think because the game opens with that stuff and ends with it too with these very deliberate or it feels deliberate like uh, evocations of these these different Know, towering giants of the genre um, it, it's hard to I feel like I have to remind myself of the stuff that I thought was really good in this but I don't know, I'm, I'm still positive about it, if I was reviewing it I think it would be very positive mm. It's interesting to me that you call it derivative because I mean I can I'm not, I, I know nothing of um, Ghost in the Shell, I know Blaze Runner very well and the the references and the relationship it has to to Blade Runner is, is patently obvious, you know, uh, in as much as it has the same star, it has Rutger Hauer. Uh, the villain from Blade Runner is our central character in Observer, face and voice. And, you know, it's set in a, a cyberpunkish, miserable kind of future. And there's some story beats and things that happen that are relating to this question of are robots people, or could you make a robot or a, a, a an intelligence that's so sophisticated that it becomes, in terms of rights, equitable to a person. Um, well, yeah, it but does. I, 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 I oh, found like I found that stuff fairly surface level and, and ignorable, um, and and certainly overwhelmed in, in like a in a good way, um, outspoken if you like by the rest of the game. The the closeness to Blade Runner didn't feel to me there, there are a lot of games I think that play on Blade Runner specifically, I mean there are a lot of games that play on movies specifically, but Blade Runner is a, a, a favourite I think among nerds and that's kind of where video games are pitched out, you know, to myself included um, Why is that anyway? Why Blade Runner? Brief, Yeah, brief detour because I can't imagine It's because, it's because, Blade, it's because Blade Runner looks and sounds really great, I think it looks and sounds really great and it's it's a, it's a film that's got a uh, a, a potent central question that does two things 
um, it sounds like it's a real moral quandary. Okay, you know, are, are robots people, are intelligences people? It sounds like it's a big, big question. But at the same time, it doesn't really have many applications to the world as it exists right now. I mean, whenever I personally, whenever I see people or games or media or movies or whatever discussing whether or not robots are people or should be treated as people, I think, well, my computer crashes if I try and open my like Skype recorder software. So I'm not particularly worried at the moment whether computers are people because it seems like so far away. But I think it, it, it's kind of... Because you don't like a, this person? It's a, <laughs> I think it's a gift to to writers and to game makers because it, it's a, it sounds like a really, really um, searching question, but it, it, it's something that you can, you can, you can have fun with, you can play with, you can imagine around it a lot. You know, it's, it's not something that you have to, to worry too much, too much about your research. Mm. So that's one, those are two reasons. I think Blade Runner looks and sounds great. And it's, it's also got this quite a loose narrative that, that also benefits from um, ostensibly quite a, quite a thrusting moral quandary. Um, and I, I also, you know, it's a film that came out in 1982 when I imagine a lot of people who are making games now were probably, you know, at that age where they're exploring movies for the first time or, or like at college or whatever and, and reading Philip K. Dick and, and, and watching what were regarded back then as the cutting edge of like blockbuster filmmakers in Hollywood. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's just it's just familiar to a lot of people. And it's to reiterate for the third time, it looks and sounds really good. It does. I've never been super enamored of it but um now i i think uh it's like a, a stepping stone along the way and i think about also too in, in the way that something like ghost in the shell was and i think you can look at some of the games that feel very much like they're drawing from from existing uh work that was very influential i think you see i do think you see a, a decent amount of blade runner at least in you know the aesthetics of this game the and I, I love this game when it starts finding its own, and we should talk, we will talk a lot about that, I'm sure. Um, but to me, it doesn't make much of the questions it raises, and, and you look at something like, you know, Blade Runner never did a ton for me, but then I, I think you see stuff that kind of asks similar questions to it. Uh, you know, something like uh, Soma. Um, and, and it does feel important and it does feel kind of pressing you know to have these because it, it more deliberately and kind of holds you by the hand taking you and, and that sounds pejorative and it's not meant to be but it, it leads you more directly to questions about well what does this mean about your own consciousness and mortality and and so forth and so on which i think i don't know i'm getting lost in the weeds here but i think the basic point is that something like observer i don't feel like it it has anything new to say in terms of its more explicit plot um, whereas you know I think something that kind of comes at things from a somewhat similar angle like Observer or Observer Christ uh, Soma does you know I, I think of things like I know you didn't like it that much but like Near Automata I think does a bit more with similar questions as well um, but I, I don't know if that's all besides the point because I think where this game really comes to life is in sort of the same stuff that it did with Layers of Fear, which you played that as well, right? Yeah. Where it has these... Hmm, how would you describe it? I think I described it in something I wrote about it, uh, about Observer, as they're kind of like living art installations that you walk through, or kind of digitally walk through, and, and things kind of move around and, and shift and do all sorts of crazy things without you expecting them to. That's a terrible description. Can you do a better one? I think that what uh, Lays of Fear and Observer both have is um, a, an interest and a, and a dedication more to imagery than to than to plot or to aesthetic rather than theme. Right. Uh, I, don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think Observer is this kind of uh, like highly... Etiological, you know, monovocal thing that's got a, a really great point to make, but uh, in, in terms of you know who we are or our consciousness, or whatever. But I, I, I don't think that, that makes it kind of insensate or or like a human somehow. I, I don't think that it's it's uh, any less heartfelt or any less 
true to, you know, to, to for, for example, my own experiences or, or true to something that's in me. I don't think it's any less capable of reaching something that's that's in me that's quite unique to being, uh, you know, uh, a warm-blooded, sentient, higher-thinking mammal than, for example, near Automata or Soma. I think I had like an a, a, as resonant emotional experience playing Observer as I did. Um, but it maybe occurred, uh, you know, below the neck as opposed to above the neck in something like near Automata. Um, one difference I think is worth flagging up. I don't know if we're even going to talk about this, but it's something that's worth noticing about differences between Observer and Blade Runner. Blade Runner, to me, I mean, you you talked about how you know you're not enamoured with it, and I I, I agree. I, I I like that film, but I've never regarded it as like a as a classic either in the 1980s or in general. Uh, it's a meant to be a really harsh dystopia, isn't it, Blade Runner? It's meant to be you know look what we've done, look what we've done to the planet. It's it's so yeah. bad that we're we're all meant to just trying to get away from Earth now, and it's only the the real bums that are left on Earth. But it also, as I said a few times, it, it looks really great and it sounds really great. And you, you want to be there in a way, you know, uh, Harrison Ford's apartment where he stands there in this really great shirt and tie, listening to Vangelis, smoking cigarettes and sipping whiskey. He was like the coolest motherfucker in the world. Observer, I, 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 I didn't, or at least not so much, have that experience. Uh, the, the apartment block where you spend the, the vast amount of Observer is like a, a really awful place. It, it stinks. It's it's muddy and it and it's crowded. And it's very it's very cramped. It's just, it's it's a yeah, really tight right. game. It, it's a game where it's difficult to move. And th- there are things going on there that are, you know, they are intriguing, but they're horrifying and they're they're kind of like bodily. There's a, there's a huge focus I think in this game yeah. on, on the on the bodily on what's inside people and what's inside animals. There's this great sense of like. Um, so what I'm looking for, I don't know what exactly how you describe it. Like fulminant, you know, there's something in the air, there's something infectious. It, 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 it's, it's like a kind of miasma hangs over the entirety of the observer. It stinks. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like a place like a. Well, that's. Di- sorry, I was. I was just gonna say, I, I, dystopia to me in, in a lot of cases feels like a um, oxymoronic because it, you know you, you're not supposed to want to be there, but you almost uniformly end up thinking it looks kind of cool. Yeah, and that's that's a problem. I don't know if maybe uh, I don't know if Blade Runner is you know maybe that's that's a, an effect of time as well. Is looking back on it and it looks maybe a bit more. I, I've always seen it as very constructed in a way, you know, which doesn't mm-hmm. mean lots of things that you can you can buy into and be moved by or or anything are constructed looking. But but to me, Blade Runner is is it's always been sort of just like more of like a mind thing like you're looking at it you're thinking oh, it's impressive like these sets are really really interesting you know you can kind of see someone sitting at a desk drawing concept art uh, mm. for it and you know maybe the distance of it and, and seeing it on you know I, I think I saw it for the first time I was probably like in my mid-twenties I think I watched it for a film class it's the first time I saw it and uh, you know that's that's far cry from watching it on a movie theater you know, with analog reels and and not having been, you know, seeing sort of some of the origins of this aesthetic rather than coming to it and saying, oh, well, that's where all of this stuff comes from, uh, I think has a huge impact on it. Um, what I was going to say, though, is I think you're right that I, I think one of the things that is great about Observer, and I think this is, it does find itself... Um, apart from the the hacking sequences or whatever I think it does find itself more when it starts to lean into that griminess more and more too like it has almost mm. a like kind of Cronenberg kind of thing going on where you have these reference here. well you have just like this stuff where it's like this technology that's not I mean Soma does this really well too actually um, but, but you have stuff that's you know technological but it also feels partway biological you know the, this place is still riddled with all these like CRT screens and there's cabling everywhere you know it, it just feels like it feels like they have this technology but it's not it's not slick or anything it's it's like hammered together like it's it's uh, mechanical it's engineered I remember somebody describing the world of Fallout you know the Fallout games they described them as a, a world where miniaturization never happened and I think Observer is a world where 
digitalization never happened everything stayed analog right and it's a it's a cool look i mean shit i guess you go back to ridley scott again and say like it, it's kind of like the alien thing as well right of of these these structures that are you know we're, we're flying through space we're you know traveling outside the galaxy but we're we're still typing into these sickly kind of puke green crt screens with our mm. that are humming really loudly and mm. and you know uh the cabling that goes around everywhere like these thick like power cables sort of um that that look like they should be for like industrial settings but they're used to just power like you know the equivalent of what a phone is now um but, it, but i think observer when it leans into that it, it really starts to to get to something because i think it is a game that that does and it is useful if you're going to talk about you know where the where the line crosses between sort of like digitized consciousness and and the human mind and our you know physical constraints and everything of our consciousness i think it's really smart to tie that stuff in with this sort of organic technological gross mashup kind of thing um but it for me this game kind of it feels like it takes a while to start showing you that stuff and really leaning into it mm. but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think hmm, maybe we should talk about these. What would you call them? They're not dream sequences. They're not Phantas phantasmagoria. That's probably the word I would use, which is a, a slightly nonsense, inventive-sounding word. And I don't know the exact definition, but whenever I, whenever I've seen these sequences in in films or TV or in in rare cases in in video games, it's the word that comes to mind. Um, let me try and call up a, an exact definition of phantasmagoria because I, I think it is the right term because they're not dream sequences that the the pretense the context is that you're a detective and observer and you have the ability to plug yourself into the memory chip if you like of, of people and extract information from their brains directly hence the title observer uh, but one thing that you start to do in this game is your hunt becomes um, increasingly desperate is that you start plugging yourself into the minds of dead people or dying people and as such their minds are intensely nightmarish and cluttered and hellish um, and he's so often fun. seen like the the last couple hours of their life too that's right yeah so you have like yeah uh, I think a few a of them oh sorry a, fan a phantasmagoria is a sequence of real or imaginary images like that scene in a dream. You might also use the term aneric, which is you know to describe uh, a, a dream imagery. If something is aneric, it, it has dreamlike quality. So you get these phantasmagoriacal or phantasmagoric <laughs> or aneric <laughs> sequences, and those I think it they might not constitute the majority of the game's running time, but they're certainly observer showpieces. Mm -hmm. These are the things that you these this is what you come for. You know, if you go to see a Michael Bay film for the gunfights and explosions you come to observer for these dream sequences and trying to explain them in, in, in any sort of detail feels like a, a waste of time basically because you, it, it's better that people go and see them for themselves and I imagine probably have seen them for themselves if they're listening to this show but the thing that I feel most profoundly about them I, I'd say there's two things one is I've never seen people use game making tools like this before uh, a real expert and kind of craftsman understanding of game making is often I was going to say boils down it's not boils down, it's not reductive but it, it, it often means similar things it means if you're, like, if you're really great at making games if you're really efficient and have like a thorough understanding of the technology that makes games, you can make a really slick and I, I and again I, I need to emphasise that I don't think that this is like a lesser quality, you can make a really slick shooting system, a really slick driving, a really slick driving system or a really great looking um, kind of What's the word I'm looking for? But um, loyal, loyal yeah. environment. You know, something, something that looks, um, you know, the, the fealty was the word I was looking for. Something that looks like it's from real life. That's what kind of, I think, a, a real thorough understanding of game making is often considered to mean. In Observer, it means something very different. It, it reminded me of uh, what we might at the moment describe as like a, the outsider art of video games, the abject art of video games, which is things that are being made by people like Lily Zone and Kitty Horror Show. Where they, their understanding of game making tools, I think, is very different, or it, it's it's 
measure the, its its qualities are very different. You you would judge it on the different grounds. Where what they do with game making tools is they really accept, they really get their hands around the idea that with this thing you can you can make a lot of things that would be impossible, both in the sense of like logistics and finances in real life. You can make something that if you were doing a film would take you know hours, days, maybe a week to set up and cost thousands and thousands of dollars or pounds. You can make in a game perhaps in an afternoon. So in Observe It, what you end up with is this just barrage of, of rich, impossible imagery. Just that's it, it used like in such a it's it's so fast too, and it's like and it, sort of like pummeling. No, yeah, there's no shortage of it. There, there's no shortage of it. It's rare that something repeats, and it's all very stark. I think it's all very striking. There's so many moments where you want to hit that screenshot button on your PlayStation controller. And capture something that you're seeing and observe it because it's it's all so vivid. You know, if if the quality of a nightmare is not just it being illogical or absurd or even frightening, one thing it has to be is vivid. It has to really, really hit you and stay with you and kind of inflect everything that comes after it, like your waking life when you when you're finished having your nightmare. I think Observer has that quality. It's it's really, really vivid. Um, That's like, I mean, it's a good way to put it too because you um, you end these things and. I think it's easy to kind of you start the the first ones or the first one, and you kind of feel like okay, I know what I'm doing now. It's it's sort of an abstract version of the setting. I'm going to kind of get this information doled out to me, um, mm-hmm. and some of them are you know not to oversell it too much, um, but I think most of them I finished in, in Lazarski, uh, the main character. He you know unplugs from it goes back to the view of the normal world and sometimes he still has this kind of hangover of, of you know, glitches of what he's seen and stuff is, is bleeding over into his you know quote unquote normal vision um, but you he plugs out of them and you feel like you've kind of woken up from a really vivid dream or nightmare as well like it, it mm. lingers and you feel like you've kind of been you know like you've gone over the falls in a barrel you feel kind of like disoriented mm. and a little bit like um, I, I don't know the best way to describe it, but I, I think you know it's it's overused, but nightmarish or or dreamlike is definitely what it is. It's intense and unrealistic, um, and I think what makes it special is that it's always like zoomed right in on trying to communicate the subconscious of these characters, not even their subconscious. Some it's you know, sometimes a little bit more direct than that, but just communicate emotion uh, in the same way that you would with, you know, abstract art or surrealist art or something of, of uh, you know, damn realism. Like, who who cares? Let's just try to get to the heart of what this emotion is or this thought is um, with any this... any view of... Yeah, sorry. This is a game where you're plugging directly into the human mind and soul and what you get in return when, when you plug in and switch it on you get something that's very improper and messy and I in in regards to describing what it's like to be a person what it feels like to, to be a person improper and messy to me are, are good things to be you know that's a that's a positive way to describe somebody's soul if you like um, an observer I think gives that experience we, we are kind of cluttered inside there's a lot that goes on inside a person and Via this this hugely abstract imagery, that that I think they're trying to get at that slightly. Even if they're not trying to get at it, I think they're managing it. You know, it's a, a, a vicarious property. They are they are saying something about what it looks like inside a person. You know, very literally, but also highly metaphorically. And I I, I appreciate the game for that. I I think that there's a lot of a lot of writing in general that takes um quite a not regimented, but uh, a, a careful and a really considerate and you know what are we trying to say here kind of approach to to writing people and writing about feelings and really making sure that T's are crossed and I's are dotted and nobody says something that's out of line or or might reflect badly on the author somehow. Observer maybe isn't quite the you know antithesis of that. There's still some consideration for 
in, in a way that makes the game more enjoyable in the way that game makes the game kind of commercially in a way that I appreciate there's some consideration for making sense of what you're seeing but it, it's not particularly bothered about the tidy it's not really bothered about the sensical it's not bothered in some cases I think about the, the enjoyable in the way the games are it's, it's this is what inside a person in our in our world in our imagination this is what inside a person might resemble and I I that's that's something to me. If games, are, if games, yeah. are, if you'd criticise, if or not criticise, but if you might compare something to so, it might compare this to so more near automata and say that those two games have a kind of capital S T S something to say. I I feel like Observer has, you know, it, its own version of that, just with the way it consistently represents people. Yeah, the insides of people. But you know, it, it's it's not as easy to kind of pass. It's not as um, again, like mono vocal, but it's. I think it's there, and uh, there's no. I, I, you know, when we first recorded this episode, I, I sounded quite dogmatic, and I sounded like a propagandist for this game. And I sounded really, really judgmental, um, basically saying that this was better than the other. And I, I, I don't agree with that at all. You know, I, I, I make that point occasionally because I'm trying to impress how ardently I think games are heading in one direction when they could potentially be going in multiple directions. Um, I don't think it's, it's better or worse to have capital STS something to say. Um, I'm just saying that I think Observer is, is, is around that table, even though it doesn't quite appear to be. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... To me, I I really like something like this. I think the parts of Observer that, that work really well should be celebrated because I think they're, they're sort of... Um, they're kind of not top of class or something, but they're exemplary in some way of... Of uh, possibilities for how you can do something, I wouldn't want every game to be to take the same approach as Observer. I think that would get tiring, you know. Mm. In in the same way that you can read, um, you know, you can read an excerpt from Naked Lunch or Gravity's Rainbow or, or something, um, or Christ, like Ulysses even. And um, you know, it's it's incredible and it's moving and it's it, it's truthful in a way that you know. Um, I guess regimented, if you want to say that way, uh, regimented like artistic structures are not. Um, but I, I can't do that all the time, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's there's a sense, and I think I might have said this in the past too. I can't remember, but I, I always kind of think of the avant-garde and the mainstream as as sort of uh, a symbiotic, you know. Um, or sometimes, if you, I think, <laughs> in a capitalist. Culture, I think uh, it's less symbiotic than maybe it's siphoning uh, from the avant-garde and, and hmm. siphoning things. But it, but I think about the ways that you kind of want uh, the traditionalists and the, the, the experimental people to, to coexist, to uh, see what each other are doing and, and react from each other. And you know, the, the what's traditional can start to incorporate things that were previously experimental and learn lessons and. and find ways to sort of make those experiences more palatable for me what happens in Observer is you kind of have both of those in one game and I think you see the tendencies of, of sort of like the you know avant-garde or, or experimental in Observer is so good and I think it's, it's take on conventional or traditional uh, kind of storytelling or art making or what have you is is so bad that to me it's like you know just such a big such a huge rise and such a enormous fall kind of uh, there's a there's a part in the middle of the game for quite a while where it's it sort of feels like it's figured itself out and it's just doing great and um i think it crashes back down really hard toward the end um in just some of the worst tendencies of of this kind of storytelling of I, I think borrowing I think you should watch Ghost in the Shell because I think it'll probably keep coming up in the same way that something like a Blade Runner would keep coming up in games um, because I think it's very influential on a lot of people but the ending of this game um, is the ending of Ghost in the Shell done without thought kind of or, or without um, the same grace and uh, it, it's just clumsy and terrible and uh and you can you compare that kind of stuff to 
what it's doing when you're in the middle of one of these these sequences where uh, you kind of feel like you can't rip your eyes away from the screen when it's going on you feel like you're you're kind of wholly absorbed by this imagery and, and you it's shocking and, and interesting you think about that versus bless you you think about that versus these times when the game is just saying hey we did this too we did this version of this story too and not as well uh, it's the same I had sort of this problem with layers of fear and I feel like both aspects of this are you know heightened the good is so much better and the bad is so much worse in this for me but do you think that um... oh sorry oh, go on sorry no carry on I was just going to say though like I, I don't I wonder what you think about that because you were saying you do like the sort of commercialism the commercialism of this game you know the fact that I, it, <coughs> it gives you the way I, in I, I like that this is a game that I could justifiably tell people to go and play I, 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 I if you told people to go and play you've got to play Lily Zone's back catalogue you've got to play Kitty Horror Show's back catalogue a lot of people would come back to you and quite rightly say well you're a pretentious dick yeah I didn't enjoy that stuff at all. It was just obscure. I don't know what I was supposed to get Quite out of that. Rightly Ob so. Absurd. Well, understandably so. I, I, <coughs> I don't know. I, I can't say what's right and wrong for other people. But I, I, if someone, if someone said to me, I was bored by those games and and I, you know, I, I didn't appreciate the recommendation. I'd understand it. With Observer, I feel like it's an easier sell. It's an easier, it's an easier word of mouth sell. It's an easier game to, to kind of favorably write about. And I. I'm I'm grateful that there's a, there's a way to explain this to people that would get it into their hands because I think it's something that ought to be played. In terms of the ending, I I, I agree. I I feel like there was a moment where it feels like at least where the people making this game started to worry uh, and and they got quite concerned with tying it up and and making a a, a point out of it and making a story out of it and making a. Um, Almost like a moral out of it, I think, towards the end, and that was a that was the less interesting part of the game to me. I, I that same thing that we were just talking about in regards to those anaerobic sequences, that that impropriety, that untidiness, that sheer kind of quantity of imagery that you get in those sequences, that felt to me really refreshing. That was something that you don't see very often in games, or, or I think in general, just just a, a a real sense of abandon of of artistic fervor and, and energy the, the words that you get often in, in game making are words like design you know you, you hear a lot about yeah. design and, and and also you know in, in the kind of darker circles or maybe not in the darker circles but in, in the circle in the circles that you you sometimes wish existed less pervasively than they do you hear about focus testing and things really being just ironed out like a a, a, a big boxed game you, you get the sense and I don't think people are even ashamed to admit it now, and in fact, are maybe even proud to admit it in interviews. No, they certainly are. You know, they they talk about how much they considered the fans, how much they considered everyone's expectations, how much they made something that they were certain was going to be okay with everybody. And <laughs> there's an argument for that in the sense of yeah, it's it's good game making craft, it's great commercialism, it's it's a really excellent way to make a lot of money, but it, it's not as exciting to me in an artistic sense as something like Observer, where you you really get the sense that. This was made without much aesthetic concern. This was, this was made by people who, who kind of closed their eyes and saw something in their mind's eye, and then, with a really thorough understanding and and, and a great ability to to make games, they put it onto the screen, and shared it with us. And it's it's really it's really unoften that I, I feel like that about a game or about a movie. In terms of you know this is made in I think the Unity engine, and I I think of like. David Lynch using handheld and digital cameras to make something like Inland Empire, you know, taking the workaday tools of the photographer and the filmmaker and using them to make something so utterly abstract and strange. And this is a, a game that's made with possibly the most popular engine in games, or at least certainly in independent games nowadays. And it's doing something that I've I've never seen before. And and that to me is compelling in a in a sort of roguish and rebellious way, in a sort of look what we can actually do and we really grab this stuff by the horns and Kind of, you know, this sounds this sounds grandiose and like guruistic, but when we free our minds and 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 really really kind of Fair. care less ab about those, you know, the, the axioms of game design, when we when we care less about those, this is what we can make. 
I I don't know if um, Observer is this kind of like apical ascopartic ultimate thing that's going to completely change everything. I, I don't think that what we've got here is you know the beginning of a new paradigm or something. No. It, it has it has a lot of like you were saying, you know, there's a lot about it that's derivative. There's, there's a lot about it, particularly towards the end, that does feel very concerned with, it. you know, concerned in the sense that games are always concerned. It, it it feels, at the end, more familiar as a game than it does in the middle section. But I certainly think it's it's like obverse to something. You know, this this is we're living in a period, I think, where games and the people who 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 make games and the people who write about and play games quite ego and, and again understandably so considering that games spent like 15 20 25 years as popular culture's whipping boy they're keen these days to, to justify games and to sort of validate games and get games up there with with movies and tv and movies and tv went through the same pe- process you know like 20 25 years 30 years ago tv was just a load of shit you know nobody cared tv was junk it's like um what's her name <sighs> something brown and she's you know she 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 wrote about how tv was just just the lowest thing it's just the lowest thing um and that's what games have become games have become or have been regarded as the lowest thing for a long time and gaming culture has taken it upon itself in a way that's quite noble but i think it's actually got gotten lost over the past you know few years it's taken it upon itself to um to sophisticate games to put games in a suit and get them out there in front of kind of cultural society and make sense of them and the way that that's been going on is is by giving them really 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 firm thematic points to make giving them narratives that can be easily consolidated into a few uh, like bellatristic grandiose sounding sentences yeah, this is a game about depression this yeah. is a game about grief this is a game about loss this is a game about war this is a game about um, you know Bosnia or something we're really trying to to give people who don't play games a sentence that will make their ears and their eyebrows prick up and go, well, I didn't know games could do that. And I think Observer is also a game where if you looked at it, you'd say, well, I didn't know games could do that. But trying to explain exactly what it is that you thought games couldn't do in one sentence is not so easy as saying, you know, this is a game about a teenage um, friendship or something. so I, I, I like it because it, it to me it seems like a really really sorry I can't. no no no, no. I, I, ju- I just keep going uh, to me it, it does seem like a kind of semi monolithic example of what games can do that you thought they couldn't but at the same time it, it's not particularly interested in games as or it doesn't seem like interested or, or, or impelled by the, the the we are going to make games something movement it, it doesn't seem to be made. It doesn't seem to have that in mind. It's it's not really concerned. I don't think about being propaganda for games or being marketing for games as a medium. It, it simply it makes games look better because it's honest and because it's true to something. And and do you think that if it didn't have kind of that road in by saying this is a story about a detective, you know, in I don't think I don't think it hurts. I don't think it hurts. I see. I, I would it, because I think if I was recommending this to someone, I would have to say. You know, if if I'm recommending well, listen, someone, I mean, I, I'd say turn your brain off essentially, or or you know, put up with yeah. this shit to get to the good stuff. I I don't think it hurts to have like a certain framing device. Going back to David Lynch, I can tell you that Blue Velvet is a game. Is a <laughs> Blue Velvet is a film about a young boy and and yeah. his girlfriend investigating a mystery in their small town. Well, in, in the same way that a... Twin Peaks is, you know, who killed Laura yeah, Palmer, it, and then it goes Laura from Park, there. Which is, a, which is a fantastic pitch. Yeah. Who killed Laura Palmer? Or Inland Empire? It's a it's a film about a, an actor who takes a role, and it's not what she thought it was. But you know, Observer is a game about a detective in the same way that yeah, that the Twin Peaks is about who killed Laura Palmer. I I, I don't think it damages it at all. It, but you know, if if you play that game, if someone says to you, "This is a game about being a detective," and you start playing it, and when it gets all phantasmagoric and strange and abstract, you go, "Well, this is bullshit. This isn't a game about being a detective." Then it was, I don't think it's ever going to work for you in the first place. If you feel betrayed by it at that point, well, instead yeah. of enriched, I, I, I don't think it's for you. But what I would say is that it doesn't open up into something else and then uh, essentially like chase that abstraction and, or, or follow yeah, that abstraction. Right. It, 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 it condenses it, again at the end. It you know? does. It does. It, it's shaped like um, 
you know, if you've got like a bubblegum bubble and pinched it either sides, and you know, it, it, it starts thin and then it gets fat and then it thins out on the other side, it, you're right, it, it, it starts as a kind of rote detective story, becomes something really abstract and strange and wonderful, like and it then becomes a really rote detective story again. Like, I, I think of, hmm, I, it's not a great and referencing it too much, but I think of Soma, which starts with, <laughs> you're going to the doctor because you have a condition. You, yeah. you wake up, you're uh, in space or underwater, you're not sure, and you have to find a way out. That's it, you know? And it, and it ends yeah. with, it, it keeps following sort of headier and headier concepts. And <clears throat> not that they're difficult, but just saying that it, it keeps following uh, a larger point um, really organically until at the end of it you're somewhere completely different than yeah, God, that game opens in Toronto and doesn't look like Toronto at all. But, you know, That's a right. game that starts with you in your uh, bachelor apartment in, in Toronto. Uh, Negaverse Toronto. Um, and, and I think that, you know, if I was recommending Observer to someone, I would, I would have to say, like, ignore these things it's doing to get to this stuff. And I don't know if I want to... Well, I don't know. It's it's not like it's some binary thing. I think I would recommend mm. this game with caveats, you know. But mm. hmm. well, here's the thing: I, I actually I actually cared quite a lot about the detective story. I wanted to know what was going on, um, and I, I I was able to, to sort of do both, to enjoy both, to to enjoy it as a as a detective story. And but it's a we, bad we, we detective story. It's not a great detective story. It's 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 not a fantastic detective. I like story. the premise of go to this apartment. You're locked in. Somebody's yeah. killing someone. You know. Yeah. And when he turns out to be a fucking machine werewolf, I was really into that. You know. Yeah. And hmm, there, I think there's a way that they could have. I I, th I think the sort of the structure aside from the end, which I think is stupid. Mm. Or not stupid, but is is just presented is is executed. It's, it's less in, it's less intelligent than the rest of the game. I yeah, I think it's so poorly executed that it looks it makes everything kind of look silly next to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a way that they they could have done the same thing. Like I do love the idea of like we were saying like the you know the Lynch thing of who killed Laura Palmer and then you know thirty hours episodes later we're watching black and white Kyle McLaughlin float through space you know mm. uh, trying to understand ancient evil like ancient or whatever I don't know I'm not going to try to describe Twin Peaks episodes <laughs> but you know the I, I do love that idea of you know some of my favorite stuff like one of my favorite authors is Haruki Murakami who starts stories with you know a, a man saying uh, I have some problems with my marriage I my cat ran away. I have to go try to find my cat in these back alleys in Tokyo. And then, you know, it, it ends up going just unimaginably strange and, and interesting places. I think that's kind of a great, I think it's a great way to present more difficult or abstract concepts is by giving you something really tangible to hold on to at the beginning and small and relatable. Um, yeah. But this one just it's I don't know. It's maybe it's just execution, you know. Maybe it's just the well, maybe, the writing you know, doesn't work. The, and... the the comparison to Lynch is 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 starting to um, etiolate or, or wither under the light for me because now I think about it. Now we're talking about it. What he gives you is or what? Sorry, what was the author you named again? Sorry, uh, Haruki Murakami. I, I I don't know that author but what it sounds like that author gives as well as David Lynch is like you said a, a really tangible thing you know small town America um, Los Angeles Hollywood movie business lost cat these are things to which we can all you know in, in some sense relate or feel like a, a familiarity with mm -hmm. um, cyberpunk future Poland you know that, that that's that's not quite the linchpin no pun intended that you might like so it, it the detective story feels like <laughs> I don't know I can't quite get the but the, the ideas are there you know it, it's the same thing mm. as Blade Runner and Ghost in the Shell or uh, Blade Runner starts, starts with oh sorry I think it starts kind of it, it starts 
it starts big in a sort of science fiction way, becomes big in a outsider art way, and then goes back to being big in a science fiction way, and the love between the father and the son that's meant to be felt throughout it, i.e., between your character and his his son, isn't there. Their relationship doesn't mean much to you. Um, what are you saying, Rucker Howard? And didn't uh... I? Yeah, I didn't get much out of that performance at all. <laughs> I, I got a lot out of it. I like that performance a lot. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun performance. It's a performance that is is gonna be be you know a, a blast to joke about on message boards for the rest of your life but i uh i never i didn't feel like his his affection for his son or vice versa i there is there is a problem with that detective story it, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem it's not strange enough it's not outsider enough it's not like broken down and, and um sort of seditionist enough if you like to to to, to compliment the, the game's abstract imagery but it's also not grounded and familiar and day-to-day enough to kind of give you that 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 way in i do think though the idea of i'm coming into this apartment for whatever reason that's fantastic and getting locked in fantastic because there's a you know a citywide lockdown which is just you know everyone understands the idea of you know a bomb siren or something going on yeah Uh, yeah 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 that's that's the more relatable uh maybe global example but like the idea of okay well i'm in this apartment building you know most people have been in an apartment building um and i have to find my way around and this apartment building happens to be filled with you know strange people and it's kind of crumbling apart and i I think all of that's great i think it's a great premise um i yeah i i think that stuff is is really smart and it's a great way to even just the murder mystery um you know, he comes into a room and there's someone dying and he needs to figure this out and he's kind of trapped in the spot. I think that's fine. I think that works. It's just, um, yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. I wonder if this is at a certain point kind of self-defeating. But I just wish it was a little bit more its own ideas mm-hmm. when it, outside of that mm-hmm. stuff because what they do in those those dream hacking sequences is so it's just you're seeing people operating on on a, a level where that's what they're good at you know i think that's the thing with layers of fear too is like holy shit this game's ridiculous in in a in a bad way or at least a super campy way and then you get into these sequences where you know the rooms are shifting around you as you're turning you know doors are like the kind of pt inspired thing of of just everything's moving around uh seemingly at random is and, and just the visions of the kind of stuff you're looking at is is so strange and so interesting and i think designed in such a way that it's not disorienting to the point that you can't continue to experience it they're so good at that stuff and they're so much better at it in observer than i think they were in in layers of fear but it's just so bad outside of it that I kind of want them to just start making stuff where it's I don't know I wasn't that, I just I just wasn't that profoundly bothered by it I I, I get I really didn't, I didn't mind that much the detective story I, I didn't mind that much the the plays on Blade Runner it it felt like small fry to me compared to what the rest of the game was doing I mean I, it, it, if you were kind of putting together a plus minus by you know by column that they put at the end of uh, for example like an IGN review I'd certainly put you know the detective story <laughs> minuses and things like that but I I, I don't really it didn't it didn't particularly uh, you know inflect or infect my what I got out of the rest of the game I I didn't feel like those those sequences those really great sequences were, were lessened in any way by the fact that this was a detective story, I didn't feel at the end of the game when it became a little bit more Agatha Christie or a little bit more um, conventionally detective or conventionally thematic. It didn't feel like it it undid anything that I'd seen or heard. I don't know, man. I had so I had lost so much sort of goodwill toward it at that moment when it's like, you know, father, will you 
merge or will you allow my digital mind to you know inhabit your own brain or will you mm. like shut me down or whatever it's just well, there, are, there are so many indi- there's so many individual moments there's so many things that happened in observer that one one thing no i know what you mean didn't quite seem as um, significant anymore you know if you've got a game that's hitting like four or five really significant striking moments and everyone has to count in this game there are so many there are so many moments that seem to me like something i've never seen before and i, and I mean never seen before not not just in in a game i mean i've never seen before that, that one thing at the end that was that was really loose and not so good it, it, it didn't seem as significant to me it doesn't mean you should be let off the hook for it in terms of if no, no. you review it, it's also priorities in some sense or, or not priorities but yeah priorities of, of what things are going to what things will kind of knock something harder for one person versus another and I, mm. I've always found stuff that's overly derivative to be it's the closest I'll come to sort of dismissing something wholesale you know mm. you, you tell me that um, I don't know you, you tell me that somebody's like you know, after PT was cancelled and they're saying, oh, we're going to make these games that are like that. I just think, well, mm. that's... D- don't. Or, you mm. know, stuff that gets pitched is, well, we made Dark Souls, but in a different setting. And they have, yeah. you know, the same sort of systems at play and everything. It's just, I, I don't care. Just don't do that. It's mm. To me, it's just... Speaking in grandiose terms, we all have a limited amount of time <laughs> on this planet... And and to to spend your time just sort of tracing over someone else's work, mm-hmm. and and at times I know maybe it's it's it is close-minded because there are times when when imitations or or stuff that's strongly influenced by something else can be really great in its own right, but it's just something I have a really hard time being okay with, especially if. You know, especially talking critically about a game or something. I think when something is so, so willing to just sort of lift from someone else, I, I feel like it's, you know, I don't know. It's it's plagiarism, and I don't. I just have a hard time dealing with it. You know, there's something at the very end of Observer where I think you walk out and and your minds have merged, and I screenshot this and I wish I had left it open. I'm not going to try to find it while we're on the call. Um, but the, you know, Glazarski and his son, you know, now being controlled by his son says something like he walks outside and he's like, you know, the world is vast or something like that. And then, you know, credits and the end of Ghost and Shell is the character who has just merged their mind with someone else walking out and looking over, um, looking out over these, uh, you know, skyscrapers and all these buildings and the lights at night and saying, you know, the net is vast or whatever this is. It's it's essentially the same sentiment just said again, mm. you know. And and I mm. think about that, and I'm just I don't know. Am I crazy? It just it bothers me so much. No, it's... you see, I I I don't have the benefit of having seen um, you know Ghost in the Shell or, or probably some of the things that the, the the game maybe does directly plagiarize. And in that instance, it's no longer being uh, kind of arm round you, welcomingly commercial. You know, come on in, take a seat, have a biscuit. But by the way, we've got this crazy like abstract stuff coming up. It's not being that anymore. You're right. It's just it's just being plagiaristic. It's just copying on what was successful before. In the, I and I imagine the hope of being successful itself. And I so yeah, I can I, I feel you on that one. And I don't have this, you know, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge or something of like of of the genres that it's lifting from. So I don't know. Like sci-fi is, you know, I, I like good sci-fi well enough. I don't I don't really have any. Uh, strong opinions for or against any genre really um, mm. but I haven't you know read and watched sci-fi like exhaustively like I'm sure some people who absolutely love that that style of story have and but I've seen as most people have seen if you're saying this is you know, we're talking about cyberpunk especially people have mm. mostly seen these two movies they're the two you know I'm, I'm sure there's maybe at most four or five big marquee this is cyberpunk primer you know and, and they picked i think two of the most successful yeah uh culturally influential ones and, and just go right to the source and it 
you know, if I'm noticing this stuff, it makes me wonder about what other people might might notice from this as well. Well, then I'd say this game will frustrate science fiction cyberpunk fans for two reasons. One, because it perhaps plays or copies their favorite movies or comics or something. Two, because I think unlike a lot of cyberpunk and science fiction, this is not a game that's got an allegorical political point to make. This isn't a game that's going to tell you or attempt to tell you something about your current world in terms of business, politics, technology, personhood via the allegory of cyberpunk imagery. This is not a game that's that I don't think is that thematically bothered releasing its best moments or its no its most memorable moments, its most striking moments, its most without wanting to use this word at all, but its most important moments is it, not a game that's that them- thematically concerned. So if you if you buy this hoping for a kind of Dandroid's Dream of Electric Sheep experience, I don't think you're gonna get it because it's it's not that sort of game. It's just not that sort of text if you like. My considering the time that we're at now, my, my final comment I think on this game to try and bring it all home or not try and bring it all home but just to try and <laughs> come on wrap it all up it's it, just to try and say why I think that this is an interesting game or, or why I think this is a, this is a great game I think this is a great game I think it's 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 one of the great games of this year and I think it's because it showed me things that I've never seen before it showed me things that would only be possible in a game without you know trying to make games sound kind of falsely or artificially magical I mean it showed me things that are only possible when you've got like a really great understanding of how to make games it's, it's things that are at least best possible things that are kind of best done in a video game show me things that I've never seen before via video gaming tools and for that reason is as much of an advocate for games as a medium if that's what you really need if that's what you really want is something that you can use to advocate games as a medium then I don't. Observer will do it for you. The, if you if you sit anybody, I think, in front of this for a couple of hours, then they're gonna they're gonna have something to say about it. They're gonna respond to it in a way that I think is is not necessarily more meaningful, but more instant than if you sat in front of you know what we consider to be like the the, the general kind of trash games. This is this is something that will show off something that games can do, and. Um, Without throwing its weight around, without 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 wanting you to know that it's doing that, uh, and you get to uh, you get to listen to Rucker Hauer at the same time. You really do, yeah. Can yeah. we end on that point? Because I think it is. May, no, maybe you don't have anything in depth to say about Rucker Hauer's performance. In regards to Rucker Hauer, I I think that the performance is a. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's much to it. I just, I just don't. I don't think it's there for maybe many other reasons than. It's so strange, though. Star quality. We've got the guy from Blade Runner. Hence, we are at the same level of Blade Runner, which is which is not true of the game at all. Again, not in a qualitative way. They're just they're extremely different things. And I, I don't think Observer needs to worry too much about Blade Runner. I don't think it's like a, it, it you know worries too much about Blade Runner for its own good. The performance is he, he's got. Well, he's 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 got the delivery of somebody for whom English is not a first language. He 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 has a the delivery of somebody who I think is in his eighties. You know, he sounds strange. See, I think that's he sounds old. Yeah, I think that's more of it than. Yeah, I I he's, I, he's, I think he's, he's an old man who doesn't primarily speak English. Oh well, now am I am I am I beating up on poor Rucker for, you know. Speaking no, English it's, it's, as a second it, language because that's not that's not no, the intent. I'm not, I'm not beating up on Rutger Hauer for for not being a, a young English speaking man. He's seventy three for not being a young English speaking man. It's just it's a miscasting. It's 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 a casting, you know, for the sake of it's like putting Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. It's casting for the sake of publicity. We've got Rutger Hauer. He, he's not the Listen, best. Listen, Ed, stop making football comparisons, part. okay? Because <laughs> no, I I sorry. I cut you off there. He's he, he's just not the the best actor for the part. I I you know I I I don't necessarily know who is the best actor for the part. I just I don't feel like Rutger Hauer. I think was uh, cast for any other reason than for publicity. I I 100% agree with you that he was only cast for uh, maybe a little bit of that old brand synergy, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But the, his Blade Run ability. But there's there's something about him that I think 
in that first half hour or so of the game when when you're looking at uh, something that that feels so so kind of lifted from familiar sources there's something really great and alien and strange about Rucker Howard's delivery because it's not it's not as easy just <laughs> you can't just put your finger on and say well that's someone who doesn't give a shit I don't I feel like he was mm, no I don't think that's yeah I, I, I think he was you know I'm sure he didn't think it was the most important gig of his life but he doesn't seem like he's phoning it in he seems like he's trying but he's he seems to be directed in a really strange way he seems to be he he pauses in bizarre ways it, it sounds like um it's, it sounds like an alien speaking and so does you know mm. I think it probably it does have to do with this being a game developed by uh, Polish designers and they're having a you know a Dutch actor play this part and who knows where the other actors are from as well I imagine many of them are Polish but you know strange confluence of language barriers and uh, maybe some I don't know maybe some amateurish direction I don't know uh, voice direction that is but it's to me, it's like part of this game's flavor, man. It's it's got it's got something really strange about it, and mm. and uh, there are some voices in this game that are just straight up bad. You knock on a lot of apartment doors, and you know sometimes this uh, you'll hear like a, a you know Long Island New York accent come out, and it's just like you know some guy who's trying to play a I don't know a rough lower class guy or something and so they're like oh this accent's gonna work um but rucker hauer and that that uh the landlord are two just remarkably bizarre mm. performances and i think it kind of goes a decent way toward making this game have more of an identity of its own mm. you know say, same with when they they lean into um when they lean into some of the stuff that's distinct to this being a game set in krakow and not you know future New York or something um, I, I feel like when they embrace that it's I don't know a product of their culture mm. of, of Polish culture makes it interesting I, I don't know I, I'm kind of all over the place but he's not giving an ambivalent performance we're not talking like Dinklagean levels of ambivalent. <laughs> Although I will um, also argue that Dinklage elevated aspects of that Destiny too, because at least he seemed like <laughs> it, it was something, you know, it was something to yeah. hold on to. It's a it's a performance that I think if you told me basically that you know, they'd recorded his lines without him even knowing what the game was. I wouldn't be surprised. It's a, it's a performance I think kind of perhaps accidentally lends something to the world of Observer. Uh, I think it's accidental. I don't think it's. I don't think they were sitting around saying, "How do we get this strange quality?" I think they. Yeah, it's. Let's cast Rutger Howe from Blade Runner. He's, and then and, and then, he was seventy three years old and recording his lines in isolation from the rest of the game, and that's what you end up with. And it's it's maybe like a happy accident. And I think maybe um, part of him was saying it would be interesting to do a Polish accent, which I don't think any actor has ever managed to pull off. I can't think of many examples of actors attempting a Polish accent. Oh, I, off the top of my head, there's like Kate Winslet in that uh, Steve Jobs movie. There's, That's um, right, yeah. Oh, Christ, there's uh, our boy. What's his name? <laughs> Daniel Craig. Just, just, oh, in Defiance. And, does Adrian Brody try and do one in The Penis, or does he just speak in his... You know, I can't, received voice. I can't remember, which is probably a good thing. I think he's got a... It's an Oscar-winning performance, but I think in, in a couple of scenes he, he's trying to have it's, Polish inflection in others. He's not interested. It's impossible. I have you know, Polish in-laws, and I cannot... You know, I, I would not be able to identify how you would do that accent. Um, not that I'm good at accents, but just trying to describe how to do it. And so I think there's something... I think you have a a Dutch man speaking English he's fluent in English but he primarily speaks Dutch he's getting older he probably speaks Dutch mainly now he's, I think mostly retired and then he's in Poland and I think trying to speak English with a Polish accent and quite probably being directed by bilingual Poles who speak Polish primarily mm. and that man that's a recipe for something it's like an accent palimpsest just writing over writing over writing it's like a it's like an eu meeting 
for their <laughs> making a film at the same time. <laughs> have you ever seen this is a this is something to end on. Have you ever seen um The Hunt for Red October, that film with with Ali Baldwin and Sean Connery? No, but I have I well I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen it all the way through, but I've heard of the Sean Connery's Blind Share. What? No, he's not the offender, or at least no. not, in, not in my mind. No, not not to my mind. The the lion's share of the film is set on a Russian submarine, and for the first kind of couple of minutes, uh, everyone's speaking Russian, and then it, it's really tastefully done. I think it's. it's oh, really I like that done. effect. Does it? Yeah, they zoom in. They zoom in on someone's mouth while they're speaking Russian, and then they suddenly switch to English, and we zoom back out. You know, as if to say that they're still speaking Russian to one another, but we're now going to hear it as English. I think that's really like gently done. Um, so after that after that zoom in and zoom out everybody resumes speaking in their voice so Sean Connery is speaking in a Scottish accent he sounds like Sean Connery etc everybody except Sam Neill <laughs> Sam Neill so why everybody else aboard Red October is speaking in their voice Sam Neill presumably didn't get like a memo and he is straining to do a little Russian accent so you've got like Yes, we need to avoid the Americans or else they're going to shink us. And then Tim Curry will come in and say, yeah, I agree. We need to be careful aboard this submarine, the Red October. <laughs> and then Sam Neill will go, yes, but we need to watch the radar. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't quite, it makes it, it makes it seem like because of the zoom in and the zoom out and the sort of transition, it makes it seem like in this world, in this kind of messed up like accent reflection they're all speaking Russian and Sam Neill is like the one Englishman aboard <laughs> because you know what I mean because oh yeah because he's because he's the one doing the Russian now and they all sound English whereas before they were all Russian and he's like, so yeah it's it's a hell of a thing to watch yeah um, all I'll say okay, is well, that's... yeah 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 no sorry I won't go on I, I find that stuff fascinating though the choices people make with accents and, and trying to and trying to make something feel kind of. Uh... Are you aware of the actor Ray Winston? Yeah, is he? Much... Uh... Yeah, you know Ray Winston. He's a Cockney, right? He's from he's from London. I'm trying to picture. Um, I've whatever. Go ahead though. I think I. I think my advice, my advice to everybody who's listening to this podcast, as well as to play Observer, is to go and if you look on YouTube, type in Adam and Joe. They were they're, they're two comedians that used to do a radio show here. Adam and Joe, Ray Winston, and they put together a com. <laughs> A compilation of Ray Winston's American accent in a film called Fool's Gold. <laughs> a film called Fool's Gold with Matthew McConaughey. And Ray oh, Winston, who has got thing. a very deep, pronounced Cockney accent, trying to play a, uh, I think, like Texan, is is really something to <laughs> be here. Um, <laughs> be here. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that's Bullet Points Extra. That was our episode on Observer. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Bullet Points VG. If you like what we do, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash bullet points to donate some money to us, which helps us keep going. And of course, our written counterpart, our sister site, is bulletpointsmonthly.com, where we're currently covering Bioshock Infinite. That's right. Is that everything? Yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, I think that's all of it. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back with another episode of Bullet Points Extra. We'll also be back with another episode of Bullet Points Normcore. Yeah, acoustic. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the acoustic session. We'll be back with the full band. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we'll be back with the uh, the kind of Jean Michel Jarre Daft Punk light show version of Bullet Points <laughs> next week. <laughs>